Tonight, I want us to talk a little bit about uh, some things that maybe will challenge our commitment, cause us to at least think about where we are and whether we need to dig our heels in and, and you know, be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Are you aware that um, there are churches, in fact, a number of years ago, there was a, a major religious body in, in our nation uh, that uh, did their hymnal over again. Uh, and, you know, it's the book that they use in every one of their churches that, that, that they sing out of. And they removed all references to uh, militancy, uh, all references to soldiers. Soldiers of Christ arise. You're not going to read that or sing that anymore in their songbooks. Or we're marching on to Zion. Uh, they, they took those references to war and marching and soldiers. We're just not going to sing about those themes because that sounds awful militant. It, it almost sounds like we're soldiers. It almost sounds like we're an army. And folks, guess what? We are. At least we should be. If you have your Bible, open it to first Timothy chapter 6, and look at uh, what Timothy was told by the Apostle Paul in that passage. He said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. There is a battle worth fighting. And he said, I'm telling you to fight. You know, fighting, militancy, uh, an army on the march, that, that may be too distasteful to some people, but it wasn't distasteful to the Holy Spirit. We are in a fight for our lives, for our soul. And, and we need to be reminded that we're not in a time of peace. We live in a time of war. And the enemy, if we don't fight back, will gain an upper hand and Destroy us and others. We have to fight. The Bible tells us, in, turn over to Second Timothy chapter 4, or excuse me, chapter 2, and look at what the Apostle Paul there said in verse 3. He said, therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardship. It's not easy. There are going to be things that are happen to us that are difficult and we have to just, you know, kind of man up under it. And, and it's not fun. It's hardship. I, I don't try to do this very often, but I, I do think that this is appropriate. You know, I, you know, I like the Andy Griffith show. There's a guy by the name of Ernest T. Bass. You ever remember Ernest T? I'm sure you do. Ernest T wanted a uniform. You remember that? He wanted that army uniform, and and but he didn't want to join the army. Uh, he didn't want to go through the discipline and the rigors of the army. He just wanted a uniform to impress the girls. And and when they finally found that out, they gave him a uniform, and he went back in the hills. But I think there are folks that kind of have that mindset with reference to Christianity. I like to wear the title Christian. But I haven't bought into this warfare. I haven't bought into getting in the trenches and really fighting for the Lord. I just wanted the uniform. That can't be what we're about. 
But I'm afraid that we live in a society that that's just kind of, it's politically incorrect to talk about war and fighting. And listen, our battle is not in flesh and blood. Paul told us that. He said our battle is against principalities and powers in heavenly places. Our battle is against spiritual things that have a foothold in our society. And we need to fight against them, not with guns and weapons, but with the Word of God. And we need to see and to be about that task. I'm afraid that when I look around, I, I, I sometimes wonder if we haven't gotten soft. If the church of our Lord hasn't, at least in some places or some Christians, if they haven't just gotten a little weak and, and timid. You know, Paul explicitly told Timothy to lose that spirit of fear and timidity. And, and uh, we need to lose that if that's what has happened to us. Everything's fine for a while. We go along fine until till something happens, till there's conflict, and all of a sudden we're like, I don't know if I bought into this. I don't, I don't know if I bargained for this. And, and we start retreating. How many people do you know of who once committed to Jesus, but now they no longer are committed to Him? They faced opposition, and they fled. They became cowards in the face of battle and conflict and they have abandoned their post and they have turned their back on God and they're not up for resistance. That is something we have to guard against. And I want to share with you some thoughts tonight about being a soldier of Christ and what that entails and the kind of commitment that we need to muster to be uh, worthwhile and, and of value to Jesus. We are soldiers. Christianity is more than a social club. It's more than uh, friendship. There comes a time when we have to fight. There comes a time when the truth has to be defended. It's an army. And there are a lot of metaphors that God uses throughout Scripture. We're the family of God. That, that's a good one. I, I like that. And we're the body of Christ, and, and we all meet each other's needs, and that's a good one too. And we're the household of God, and, and we, we're the sheepfold of God. And God gives us a lot of illustrations about who we are as a people, and it helps us to understand some of our duties. But He does not overlook the military. We're also soldiers of Jesus Christ. We are the army of the Lord. And as a soldier, we have hardship to endure. It's more than putting on a uniform. It is requirements and obligations. And that's why he says in 2 Timothy 2, I want you to endure hardship like a good soldier. Christianity isn't about having our desires met and, and people doing what I want and, and going to a place where I know that they're going to cater to me. Christianity is about catering to Jesus and using my talents and my abilities and my skills and my energy in service to Him. And that sometimes means that I put myself out there on the firing line and I face the attacks of those who would oppose Jesus. But I'm a soldier. And that's what soldiers do. They are there to win a battle. If we're at war, consider these few thoughts. If we are at war, and we are, 
then we're all at war. Turn in your Bible, if you have it, you might want to just turn back to Numbers chapter 32 and verse 6. There's a passage back there where the children of Israel are coming in to take possession of the promised land. And um, two tribes, Dan and, and uh, Reuben, decide they like it on the other side of the Jordan River. They're, they're not going to go into the promised land. They want to stay right over here. They like it. And so they come to Moses and say, hey, uh, we've decided just to stay here. So if that's okay with you, that's what we're going to do. Moses misunderstood their intent. Because there's all these people that have to be driven out. The inhabitants of the land that God had promised them. And he said, you're going to have to move them out though. And so Moses said, wait, 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 wait. What? You're going to stay over here? You're going to let your brethren go to war while you sit here? Nothing doing. You can't let your brethren go to war while you just sit here. We understand that that's wholly inappropriate. How can you let those who are your brethren fight while you just sit? Well, they explained to Moses... What, that's not what we're talking about. We're going to go in with you and we're going to help you take the land and, and conquer it and, and, and divide it like, uh, you know, but, but when it's all done, we want to come back here and, and live over here. That's what we were saying. You misunderstood us, Moses. And Moses said, okay, well, I'm fine with that. But there's that, that concept. Shall your brethren go to war while you just sit here? I think that concept needs to run through our mind every once in a while. What have we been doing? Is there a war? Are people on the firing line fighting, standing for truth, standing for Jesus, defending and risking their lives and well-being? Do we just sit and watch it? If we're at war, we should all be at war. No one hunkering down, no one cowardly running away and retreating. We need to stand together. Here's the second thing that I think if we're at war, we need to be prepared for war. In Ephesians chapter 6, there's that imagery of the whole armor of God. And it goes from head to toe. And we, we sing a song about the whole panoply of God. And, and that means, you know, that head, you know, you, you got your helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith and breastplate of righteousness. And, and you're just decked out all the way down, prepared for battle. And that's, listen, if we're a soldier and if we're at war, we need appropriate attire. If, if we're, if we don't have it, we'll be vulnerable and, and we'll be hurt and not be useful to the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. We're at war. We, we can't, we can't afford to be ignorant of this book. It, it is our weapon. It, it is what we must fight with. And how can I be successful against the world if I don't know what God's word says? It's the sword of the spirits. Listen, we need to be able to wield this effectively. We need to be able to stop the mouths of the gainsayers when people come and say, oh, now, look at the things our society faces right now. Look at the concepts that have been raised and are issues in our society, our culture, that are being embraced that never before have been embraced. 
And, and they have always been declared to be wrong, sinful, evil, and we have adopted them and, and embraced them and disparaged those who would stand against it. Someone needs to stand up and speak what the Word of God says and refutes. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5 that there would come a time when people would call good evil and evil good. That's today. That's what takes place today. We need to be able to skillfully use the word to show people this is what God says and thinks about various issues. We also, if we're at war, we need to fight for something that is worthwhile. War is too costly. If there isn't some payoff at the end, then the horrors of war aren't worth it. If there isn't a payoff to being a follower of Jesus, a faithful, committed soldier of Jesus Christ, then I don't know that having enemies and doing the things that we do is worthwhile. But there is. There's a payoff worthwhile. We're fighting for our soul. We're fighting for the difference of heaven and hell. We're fighting for the lives and souls of other people. That makes it worthwhile. If I can make the difference between heaven and hell for another person, and what that means, eternity. If I can make the difference through my faithful obedience and dedication in the army of Christ, should we not fight? Should we not embrace that? Christianity, if we're at war, we need to endure hardship. People quit and give up over the silliest things. Just this past week, uh, Justin asked me if I would come out to camp and, and speak one day, and I had to speak on the idea uh, to the kids about you know, serving God during difficult times. People will leave. People will turn their back on God. They'll get mad. I don't have to threaten your life. We don't have to live in a land where our lives are threatened, our livelihood is threatened, our possessions are taken away. Right now in, in Iraq and in Baghdad, there's, there's threats. You know, if you believe in Jesus, we'll kill you. You've got so much time to get out, and if you don't get out, we'll just kill you. We don't live in that kind of a site. Here's what we face. Someone hurt my feelings. Someone sat in my favorite pew. Someone didn't speak to me when they left the building this morning. And I think the reason why is because those are the kind of issues that are the big issues that we face today. We don't know real opposition. We are set off by things that should never set us off. Endure hardship. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, as a soldier of Christ, no one should have to plead with us to come to church. No one should have to beg and prod and, and, and promise. Um, we, we should be there. Because we're soldiers of Jesus Christ. No one needs to send me flowers and send me cards and, and, and stroke me and, and remind me and, and build me up and, and give me handouts and, and cuddle me and, and coddle me. No one should have to do that because I'm a soldier and soldiers are tough and they endure hardship.
No, no one should be able to hurt my feelings so badly that I would walk away from Jesus. No one should, should upset me to the point where I, I get discouraged and I turn aside. Because I'm a soldier. And hardships come with it. Listen, again, that goes back to what I was saying. I'm afraid sometimes we've just gotten too soft. We've not been who we need to be. And we've let little insignificant things separate us from the task that God has set us to. And I'm just saying, let's be soldiers. Not play soldiers. Do you ever play army when you're a child? Uh, you know, we, we used to do that. And the thing of it is, you, you got shot or killed in it, and then you just started all over again. You know, it wasn't any consequence. And, and, uh, but today, there, there's so much more at stake. It's not a game anymore. People really are being destroyed spiritually, eternally. And how we perform and how faithful we are and how brave and courageous we are makes the difference between heaven and hell. I want you to see something that I, just a couple of weeks ago, I was studying in the book of Acts, and I, I saw something that, oh, maybe you've already seen it, but it just kind of struck me. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 9. This is when the Lord appears to Ananias. He's a preacher. And he says, I want you to go preach to Saul of Tarsus, who is eventually going to become Paul the Apostle that we know. And Ananias isn't so sure that that's what God really wants him to do. Saul, you're talking about Saul of Tarsus? You know, he's the guy that's been throwing men and women in prison. He's the guy that's been blaspheming your name. He's the guy. And and God says, yeah, Ananias, I don't I know who I'm talking about. This is the man. And listen to what he says in verse 15. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now get this. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. God said, I want that man. He's a chosen vessel. And I want you to go get him because I have some things I want to show him. You know, have you ever thought about the fact that God chose Paul and he said, I'm going to show him the suffering that he's going to have to endure. Now, I know that sometimes we use the word show in terms of demonstration. You know, if somebody thought they were a really good basketball player or they thought they could, you know, beat me when I was younger or something, and I might say, well, listen, I'll show him. And then, I, you know, that would be a demonstration. But the Greek word that's used there, it means to literally put under your eye so that you can see it. Not just God was going to make him go through things, demonstrate the suffering, But he was going to show him the suffering that he would have to endure. In fact, if you keep your place there, but you might turn over to Acts chapter 20 and look at what he says in verse 22. The Apostle Paul said, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except 
that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying the chains and tribulations await me. You see, before he ever went there, he knew what was going to happen to him. God was showing him the things that were going to happen to him, the suffering that he was going to endure. And here's the amazing thing to me. He still did it. He didn't quit. Kim and I had to drive to to, uh, Vanderbilt the other day to to see somebody, and and then we went to Mount Julia to to, uh, speak. And we were talking about this on the way down there, and I said, what if we had word that if we went that direction on the highway, what, what if we heard and knew that if we did it, we would end up dying? Would we go? Probably not. What if you had word that if you fulfilled your obligations to Jesus, if you were going to worship on the Lord's day and meet and assemble, that you would be arrested if you came to the building? I wonder how many people would come to the building. I wonder how many people would do what God asked them to do if they knew it meant they'd be arrested or murdered or beaten. What if you knew that if you set a prayer at the table at the restaurant, that you would be arrested and jailed? Would you say the prayer? You see, that's what I think is so amazing about this passage. God told Ananias, I want to show this chosen vessel what he's going to have to suffer. And from Acts 20, I see that he was doing that. Before he even went, he showed him that he was going to be in chains and suffering. Have you ever realized what all Paul endured? Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11... Paul says, if you just pick up in verse 24, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times he was beaten, well, 39 times. Can you imagine what, I don't know, you know, see, history tells us a little about the stature of Paul and, and he wasn't some big guy like Benny back there. Um, he was just a, a little guy. And this man, though, was tenacious. He couldn't be... St- Do you have any idea what his back must have looked like? Five times, on five separate occasions, they took him and beat his back with 39 stripes. Not only that, look at what else it says. Three times I was beaten with rods. Caning that takes place in some cultures where a person is beaten with rods, it, it, it welts and literally breaks your skin. Um, it, it's a terrible thing. Three times, five times, 39 stripes, three times beaten with rods. Once he was stoned, they thought he was dead. They, the people that were stoning him thought he was dead. They just walked away from him, left him, and, and he was revived as the Christians came to take his body away. He was, he was as good as done. 
Three times he was shipwrecked and another one yet to come as he goes to Rome. A night and a day he's been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides all this, all the cares of the, the, the concern of the church is on him. Don't talk to me about suffering, Paul's saying. I wrote the book on it. And the amazing thing is, he knew it was coming. God said, I'll show it to him. And he stayed faithful. Not long ago, I had somebody write to me and they were talking about giving up on God and quitting the church and everything because they had come to church and somebody was sitting in their pew. Can you believe that? You're going to quit for that? You're going to turn your back on Jesus and on heaven because somebody sat in your pew? You wouldn't have managed very well if you would have been a companion of the Apostle Paul. Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll bring this to a close. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. There's great victory to the child of God. I mean, there are some tremendous things that take place that are recorded in this chapter. Uh, you know, he says, beginning in verse 33, there were some who subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and they raised people from the dead, and they... Uh, Victory. But don't stop there. Keep reading. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may attain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world isn't even worthy. They suffered. Some were delivered. Others suffered. But here's the point. As he's writing to these brethren who were thinking about, is this worth it? Look at chapter 12 and verse 4. You haven't yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. How in the world can you possibly think about giving up on God when people who have lived before you endured so much worse than you? They were cut in two. They were killed by the edge of the sword. And you haven't, you haven't shed a drop of blood yet. And you're thinking about quitting. We can't do that. We have to be faithful. I'll close with this, and I know I shared this with you before, but I think it illustrates well, and not everybody heard it, but, you know, I, I once heard a man say, you know, imagine if I were to leave here today and I just get smacked over, run over by a Mack truck, and, and I wake up in paradise, and I see a group of men over there, and I go over to join them, and lo and behold, it's it's some pretty amazing martyrs. There's... There's, well, there's uh, Stephen, 
And he's talking about how they were so angry at him, they gritted their teeth and they picked up those rocks and they threw it at him. And he said, the last thing I remember is seeing that man with that rock. And then I was here. And Peter's standing there and he says, yeah, and I remember they, they crucified me. And I, they crucified me upside down. I, I wasn't worthy of dying the same way my Lord did. And then there were men like Ananias, or uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the fiery furnace. Yeah, boy, we thought we had it. They threw us in that, and, and we were just sure we were dead, and, and God delivered us. And, and all these guys are telling these stories about what happened to them. And you walk up, and they say, and what happened to you? Tell us your story. Well... You know, if I thought about it, there might be something. But I do remember one time I was walking to the church building. And as I was, you were walking where? The church building. The church, you had a building where you all met together? Yeah, church building. Oh, what we would have given to have had a church. We met in caves and, and catacombs and, and out under the tree. We, we never did have a, you had a building all your, yeah. Wow, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead and finish your story. Well, one day I was walking to the church building and I had my Bible under my arm when I was walking out the door and wait, 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 you had a, you had a Bible? Yeah, I had a Bible. Uh, one of those books that have all 66 books of the Bible in it, all the, the whole revelation of God, you had your own copy of it? Well, yeah. Wow, what we would have given to have had one of those. We only receive revelation in parts, and, and oh, we would have loved to have had all of God's Word. But I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your story. Well, one day I was walking to the church building, I had my Bible under my arm, and I think... My neighbor across the street might have chuckled at me because I was going to church with my Bible. And I think there'd be an awkward silence, don't you? Oh, that's it. That's about as good as I can come up with. What has happened to us? We don't have stories of being thrown into lion's dens and thrown into jail and cut in two and, and our life taken from us or even come close to it. The worst we have is somebody laughing at us, ridiculing us, gossip, gossiping about us, excluding us, hurting our feelings. And I want to say, so what? Really? Shall we allow those things to dissuade us from following Jesus? Listen, when you put Christ on in baptism, you enlisted in the army of the Lord. And the army is no place for cowards. And it's no place for wimps. We have a war to engage in, a battle to fight, and God needs brave, not, uh, brave, not uh, cowardly soldiers. Let's remember, and let the Apostle Paul embolden us. Let those folks in Hebrews 11 embolden us. How can I dare think of giving up when they endured so much? Surely, I can be faithful to God and be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's remember what's at stake why we're fighting, 
who we're fighting for, and let's let nothing detract us or distract us from that heavenly goal. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel of Christ? Enlist in his army and fight the good fight of faith as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he'll repay you. Someday you'll be victorious. If you need to take that step tonight, we'll assist you in that. And if you're a child of God already but unfaithful, and maybe you've let those lesser things detract you, and you haven't been as faithful as you should be, and you've let petty things hurt your feelings and and let distance come between you and God, remember who you are. You're a soldier. And ask God to forgive you and re-enlist in his service and serve him the rest of your life. And if that's what you need, we'll pray with you tonight to that end as well, if you'll come as we stand together and sing.